He brushed off its words and then watched it soar into the sky. If he's mindful of creation, on this I can depend. I am his.
can trust Jesus. He takes care of me. They're, they're never going to see her alive again. There's a police officer with a promising career who's never going to realize her dreams and aspirations. There are eight people in Texas who are not going to sit around the table with their family this Sunday. There's three officers in our own Cecil County, Lord, that are going to have to overcome a shooting incident. All across our nation, our hearts are broken. We're weeping. 
And Lord, we know why. Our nation has turned its back on you. We're not calling on God anymore. We're calling on social justice. We're calling on, we're calling on lawmakers. We're, we're, we're calling on, uh, on those in high office. And Lord, we are glad that they're there and we should voice our thoughts to them. But Lord, our voices should be calling out in prayer to the God of heaven, the Savior of our world, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is able to do something to change what's taking place. Change our hearts, dear God. Turn us around. As a people, as a nation, Lord, turn us back to Thee. Lord, some say it's too late. Some say we cannot turn around. But Lord, I believe, as it is with any individual, salvation is available to them until the moment they take their last breath. And Lord, I believe that it's not too late for our nation. As long as we're living and breathing, we can repent, we can turn, we can call upon you, we can seek your face, we can long for your grace, we can pray protection over our loved ones. So dear God of heaven, we earnestly pray today. Hear us as we pray. Respond to our needs. Lord, give healing in our land. We are desperate for it. We are sinners. As a nation, as a lawmakers, as a, as a government, we have sinned against Thee and we need Your forgiveness. And we are asking now that You would forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. ask our ushers to come forward for our regular uh, tithes and offerings this morning. This is not the building fund offering. This is our regular tithes and offerings you give as the Lord directs. I know he'll bless you for it. God has been good to our church. God has blessed us uh, and God blesses us when we give with a cheerful heart. And uh, so you give as the Lord directs this morning and I know uh, he'll bless you for it. Ronnie, uh, you look good this morning. You do. Yeah. Why don't you lead us in prayer?
morning. If you are, uh, then you can be in a hurry, but I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm here to worship the Lord. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm here to lift up his name and yeah. praise his goodness. I, I, I'm here to draw from the strength that I only get from the divine throne of God. Yeah. I'm here to meet my Savior. I'm here to, to see him as closely as I can. I know what Paul said. It's through a glass darkly. I know that. But I want to see him as clearly as I can in this moment. Amen. So that when I see him face to face, I'll have absolutely no trouble recognizing who it is. Amen. Let's worship the Lord this morning. I tell you, this is a great song. I love the line. I lay down all lesser things. Yeah. For greater gain. Yeah. yeah. Let me tell you something. Whatever it is you're carrying in your life that you think is so important. It's not, it's not worth anything in comparison to eternity. Yeah. Lay down the lesser things and live for those things that give greater gain. Let's yeah. sing it again.
Now, wasn't that fun? <laughs> wasn't that fun? I hope you're all in a great mood now because we're going to ask our ushers to come forward. <laughs> Get you all in a good mood. Going to give to the building fund. So we want you to, you give as the Lord directs. I know he'll bless you for it. I tell you, we, 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 we have need to expand. We do. If you've ever been on a Tuesday night to youth group and discovery club, if you've ever been here on a lot of Sunday mornings, uh, uh, then you know uh, we, uh, we have need to, to make room for growth. We, that's what we need to do. And, but before we can make that room for growth, we've got a few other things that need to be done around here in preparation for that. So what you're giving goes to the building fund. It'll be used to uh, enhance what we have, and hopefully, prayerfully, it'll give us an opportunity to expand when the time comes. Amen? So you give as the Lord directs, and I got mine right here. Kirk, why don't you ask God's blessing on the offering? Yes, yes, dear Lord. There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing, sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing, precious reviving again. Over the hills and the valleys, sound of abundance of rain. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. Last verse. There shall be showers of blessing, oh, that today they might fall. Now as to God we're confessing, now as on Jesus we call, oh, of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. had some showers is that right it did it rain a little bit while we were gone so every single day that we were on the boat the 
It was somewhere between 78 and 82 degrees during the daytime, around uh, 68 at night. And so we were glad that the air conditioners were working. <laughs> that made it good. Uh, I don't know what we see, maybe two or three clouds the whole time we were on the boat. Uh, and there's just little bitty tiny clouds either in the morning or late in the evening. All the rest of the time it was pretty much unbroken sunshine. So um, we brought it with us. You can thank us. We, we, we bottled it up and we brought it back from Mississippi. And, uh, and uh, so you can just thank us for that. If you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn with me. Uh, to the book of Isaiah again. We're still in the book of Isaiah. And this time we're going to chapter number 39. The last message was from chapter 38. We're not necessarily bringing a message out of every chapter, but some chapters we're bringing two or three. So, uh, but we're, we're going through uh, the, uh, the book of Isaiah uh, and we're up to chapter 39. There's something interesting about chapter number 39. Uh, there are 39 books in the Old Testament and then... There, uh, there's 39 books in the Old Testament and 27 books in the New Testament. And so what you have here is uh, the 66 books of Isaiah are almost a mirror image of, uh, uh, of, the, of the whole of the Bible. Uh, and, and just as you would expect, uh, chapter number 39 is the last chapter of what many people call uh, book one of Isaiah uh, and, uh, and then uh, uh, part two or book two begins with uh, chapter number 40 and goes through chapter number 66 just as you have 39 books in the Old Testament you have 39 chapters uh, in the book of Isaiah that deal with something specific I'm not going to talk about it this morning but the next time we preach and we'll be moving into chapter number 40 we're going to talk about that sea change but today we're going to talk about chapter number 39 now I have been forewarned that of late I've been getting too carried away when I preach and uh, <laughs> I, uh, and so if you see my mouth moving but you don't really hear anything coming out it's because I'm running out of breath. There's not enough air down in there to keep me going. So I've been warned not to do that. It's not good for me. It's not good for my throat. And it's not good for my heart. Uh, and, uh, and all the rest. I am going to make every effort to slow down a little bit today. And uh, so you can tell me later whether or not I uh, was successful or not. But we'll do our best to kind of slow down and take it slower and easier as we go through. And I have to say, this is actually a very good chapter to do that. Uh, we're going to read all eight verses of chapter number 39. Only eight verses in it. It's very short. We're going to read all eight verses. And we're going to look at the whole of the chapter. Uh, because it's, uh, it's what we need to do. It's what we, what we want to do this morning. And so that means that I should probably slow down and do a little more teaching uh, this morning. And uh, hopefully we can accomplish that. So if you have found the 39th chapter of the book of Isaiah, if you'd stand with us please in honor of the reading of the word um, of God. Verse 1. At that time, Meroadak Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. 
We all know about that. He, uh, he was sick unto death, according to Isaiah, and then he turned his face toward the wall. That means he privately, uh, quietly prayed unto God, and he wept bitter, and the Lord granted him 15 more years. And Hezekiah, verse 2, was glad of them, the letters, and showed them the house of his precious gifts, the ambassador that came to visit him, he showed them all of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his honor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto the king Hezekiah and he said unto him, what said these men and from whence they came they unto thee. And Hezekiah said, they are come from a far country, even, even from Babylon. Then said he, what have they seen in the house? And Hezekiah answered, all that is in my house have they seen. There's nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thy house, and that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day, shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then, had, then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord, which thou hast spoken. He said, moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. Dear Lord, we pray that you'd help us in the understanding of the word of God. Um, Lord, the lesson is really not difficult. It's not complicated. But Lord, sometimes it's not so easy to take that that is so very true. And so we pray you'd give us open hearts to receive the truth of the word of the Lord today. And we'll lift you up in praise and thanksgiving. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Now, most of the people in this room probably have no idea who Freddie Fender is, but some of you do. Some of you know who Freddie Fender is. And in 1959, which was long before the vast majority of you were born, <laughs> but in 1959, uh, Freddie Fender wrote and recorded a song that would drastically change his career. And if you don't know the name of that song, then it doesn't really matter because I'm about to tell you anyway. The name of that song was Wasted Days and Wasted Nights. And a lot of you people are doing this because you remember that song, Wasted Days and Wasted Nights. Well, could I say to you that Wasted Days and Wasted Nights is exactly what we see in the last years of Hezekiah's life. He wasted the last years of his life. And it's an, it's an interesting and very sad truth because Hezekiah is known as being one of the godly kings of Judah. As a matter of fact, he is considered one of the best of the kings of Judah. He started so well. And he had a, such a strong bond with Isaiah the prophet. 
It's such a strong bond that, that Isaiah came to him when God spoke to him and, and he said, God spoke to me, Hezekiah, and, and Isaiah told him, he said, you're going to die and not live, so it's time for you to set your house in order. Can you imagine being that close with the prophet of the Lord, and especially Isaiah? In, in, my, in my view, Isaiah, uh, he might very well be the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets. Now, he, he didn't do the things that Elijah and Elisha did as far as miracles were concerned. And, and he didn't have the prestige that Moses had of receiving the very first five books of the Bible or of leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt and into the land of Canaan. But he wrote 66 chapters of the most marvelous and glorious prophecies I've ever read in all of my life. And not only that, but he gives us the clearest, most beautiful picture of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ in all of the Old Testament. And yet, he is so close to Hezekiah that just like you could come to my house, and I hope you would feel welcome if you needed to, to just come to my house and knock on my door, ring my doorbell, say, Pastor, I, I have a need. Could you spend a few minutes with me? That's the way it was between Isaiah and Hezekiah. They were friends. They were they, they were they were compatriots, if you were. They, they had a bond that was very, very strong. And yet, after all of this fabulous and glorious start, something very tragic happens to Hezekiah. And I want you to think about that this morning. Isn't it good to start well with the Lord? Isn't it good? Man, don't you just love it when you see all these young people up here in the choir singing? When you, when you see our young people going off to Bible college and, uh, and uh, just like David will graduate tomorrow and, uh, and they go off to Bible college and they, they prepare themselves for the ministry or they prepare themselves for a career where they can make a difference in the cause of Christ. And let me tell you something, you don't have to be a missionary, you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be an evangelist, you don't have to be a gospel singer to make a, bit, uh, a difference in the cause of Christ. Whatever you do, whether you're an accountant, whether you're a factory worker, whether you're an engineer, whether you, whether you lead a construction crew, whether you're a mechanic, whatever it is that you do, you can be a light in a dark world as long as you're walking with Jesus. And isn't it good to see so many of our young people starting so well? Isn't it good to see our young families, our, our fathers and mothers with their two and three and four and five children all coming in here on a Sunday morning and after Sunday school, many of them are sitting together during the service. So good to see them starting well in the Lord, amen. They got their family going right, moving in the right direction, worshiping the God of heaven, calling upon the name of Jesus. Isn't it wonderful to see them start so well? But I tell you, to me, at my stage of life, it's a whole lot more satisfying and thrilling to look at Brother Gwen there. Look at Brother Jim. Think about Brother Barry and, and Brother Donald who have served the Lord faithfully for many years. 
and they're still faithfully serving the Lord. Oh, that, that is so refreshing because God, Satan's got so many ways to trip us up, so many things to sidetrack us, so many things to move us away. You have no idea how many times I preach in a church and I'll say to the pastor, you know, I miss this family. The last time I was here or a few years ago when I was here, I, I, I saw that family. Oh, I hate to tell you this, Brother Moore, but they just slipped out of church. They're not faithful anymore. It's really important to start well, but it's very, very important to finish well. Now, I want us to take a look at uh, what happens to Hezekiah here. Verse number one. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he had heard that he had been sick and was recovered. The first thing we see is that Hezekiah, he, he hears or he reads, he finds some flattering words. <laughs> Someone is interested in him. Someone who, who, is, uh, who is important. Someone who uh, is a king of a nation much larger than Judah. Judah is a small, almost insignificant country when it comes to the area where he's at. The Assyrians were this great, huge empire. And not long before they received this letter, uh, Hezekiah gets this letter, and we talked about that in the last chapter, we had this tremendous battle against the Assyrians. And if it had not been for the hand of God, if it had not been for the 185,000 Assyrian soldiers that were slain in the night by the hand of God, Jerusalem would have been lost. But God not only gave 15 more years to Hezekiah, but he also delivered the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Judah and protected it during Hezekiah's lifetime. And Hezekiah knew that. He knew that. He knew that the hand of God's protection was upon him, for this was the message that he heard from the prophet Isaiah when he was recovered of his sickness and he didn't die. And he knew he was going to have another 15 years to live. So there was the there was the Assyrian Empire, but not far behind that Assyrian Empire was the nation of Babylon. The nation of Babylon that started as a city and became a city-state and then began to branch out and became, at this point, a mighty nation. Not yet an empire, not necessarily a great kingdom, but they're well on their way. So here we have Hezekiah and the Assyrians have been defeated and fled back. And now he gets a letter from the king of Babylon congratulating him on his recovery of his illness and asking if he can come and see the palace in Jerusalem and, 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 and see the nation. And oh, he's flattered. Let me tell you something. Flattery is worthless. It's worthless. Whoever is flattering you, I promise you, they have an ulterior motive. People don't flatter somebody. Now, you can compliment somebody and be sincere. But if you're flattering somebody, you want something from them. Amen? 
That's what they do. They butter you up. Has, have you never heard, the, uh, heard that expression? They're going to butter you up. They're going to flatter you. They're going to make you feel good. They're going to make you feel important. They're going to f- make you feel like you've got a, you've got a platform here. That, let me tell you something. That's why Facebook is so popular. And not just Facebook, but Twitter and TikTok and all these uh, uh, social media platforms. The reason they're so popular is people can put stuff on there and they can be flattered immediately. Immediately. Somebody will write something, you know, oh, that was so good. I saw your post. That was so wonderful. And it makes them feel so good. They're, they're fishing for flattery. You say, oh, preacher, we, we wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got it right here. You would never, ever do that, would you? That's a bunch of hogwash. That's what that is. You know you do. You think hard and long before you make that post because you're looking, you're fishing for some likes. You want to get 25 likes, 50 likes, 100 likes, 300 likes. Oh, everybody loves me. That's what Hezekiah was thinking when he was flattered. The king of Babylon, the king of Babylon thinks I'm something. Yeah, be careful. Flattery comes before a downfall. They always, always, always have an ulterior motive. Babylon, a nation that is poised and will not be long until they become an empire taking over Assyria. And so he's very, very, very impressed with his letter and with his present. And then we have the visit. Uh, Verse number two, and Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things, silver, gold, spices, precious ointment, the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. So first he gets a letter and a gift and then they show up. They've asked if they can be there, and he said yes, and now here they are. And man, his pride begins to show itself. And he says to them, oh, let me show you what I got. Let me show you what I got. (laughs) I wonder how many times you've said that in the past. i got to admit it. I've said it more times than I'm willing to admit. Let me show you this. Let me, I just did it this morning. I was back there with a group of ladies, and I said, let me show you this. Look at this. Look at what I got. Look, look at this gift that was given to me. Look how important I am. And so he takes them and he says, let me show you everything I got. He's the king of Judah. He dwells in the palace of Jerusalem. God has granted him 15 more years to live. You would think that he would have more sense than to just show them all the secrets of his treasure house and his army. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Does our government ever do things sometimes and you're like, is that really smart? <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, here we are, we're, we're, we're all upset because we have these balloons from China who are gathering information when half the time we're just giving it away. That's not smart. That's what Hezekiah did. His pride got to him. He he was so flattered. He was so prideful that he just, he couldn't help it. He just couldn't help it. He had to show it off. He had to let him see. It was Hezekiah's pride and his foolishness. And then there's the meeting with Isaiah. So Isaiah comes in verse number three and four, and this is what he says. Then came Isaiah to the prophet unto the king, and he said unto him, 
What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? Hezekiah said, They come from a far country, even from Babylon. Now let me read that again because I missed a word there and I want you to catch it. They are come from a, car, uh, from a far country unto me. Hezekiah said, They came from a far country to see me. <laughs> to see me. They came to see me. They came to see me, even Babylon, the next great empire. We can all see it. We all know what's coming. We all hear the news and get the messages from the messengers. And our spies have told us over and over again that Babylon is going to be the next great empire. And their king came to see me. <laughs> came to see me. Yeah, they came to see you all right, right after Assyria was chased out of Judah by the hand of God. And Assyria is in Babylon's sights, and Jerusalem and the, and the land of Judah is in the way. They're in the way. Hezekiah, wake up! This guy's not your friend. I tell you, I, I get so concerned when people, when people think that they've found some good friends, but they're of the world. They're of the worldly kind. I know you're not supposed to say that to you today, and you know it's not politically correct, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I could care less about what's politically correct. The truth of the matter is, it's still important who you are friends with. You need to be a witness to a lost and dying world. You do not need to be a compadre to the lost and dying world. You do not need to be unequally yoked together with the world. Amen? That is exactly what Hezekiah is doing. He's saying, oh, I, I got a friend. What, what do you know? What, what, Hezekiah, wait a minute. Wait. I'm sure, I am sure, I'm positive, and, and I'm not just speculating here. I've, I've studied this out carefully. But I am positive that when Isaiah went to see Hezekiah, he already had the answers to the questions he was about to ask him. He already knew. He was that close to the king. There's nothing going on in the palace that Isaiah doesn't know about. That's why he shows up when he does. He knew the men came. He knew they left. He knew what was going on. He knew all about it. And this is why he shows up. And so he comes to Hezekiah and he says to Hezekiah, he said, who are these guys? What, what did you tell them? He, he knows the answer to that. He, he definitely knows the answer to that. Let me tell you something. Don't just put somebody off because you think they're, you know, well, he, he's just jealous. She, she's, she just doesn't have what I have. Hezekiah is all built up with pride now, and so he thinks he has a friend in the king of Babylon. But let me tell you, the king of Babylon is no friend to the land of Judah. They're standing in the way. They want Judah and they want Assyria. And they're going to get it. And Hezekiah has just made it easier for them because he's let them see everything they got. When they start planning for their war, when they start making preparations, they are going to know. You know why? Because they wrote it down. 
and they took it back to Babylon with them. So when the time comes, they would know what's in Jerusalem and in the land of Judah. Let me tell you something. The devil is not your friend. The world is not your friend. They're not going to do you any favors. They don't love you. They don't even like you. The world is just, Satan just wants to use you up. That's all he wants to do. He wants to waste your life. Just like the song, Wasted Days and Wasted Nights. That's exactly what Satan wants to happen to the believer, to the Christian. Let me tell you something. Satan doesn't have to do a lot of work to get sinners to sin. Did you know that? Satan doesn't have to do a lot of work to get sinners to sin. He doesn't have to do a lot of work to get an addict to take another fix. To, take a, to force an alcoholic to take another drink. Hey, that's no problem. I mean, they're hooked. They're sinners. They've given themselves to this. So he spends his time trying to get me and you to sin. You see, he wants to butter us up. And he'll use somebody you know, somebody that you think is important, somebody that you think, and he'll flatter you and flatter you and flatter you through them. And then that way he'll get you to step out of line because if he can get you to sin, he's won a great victory. No big deal if a sinner sins. That's what sinners do. Amen? But when the Christian falls, when the Christian stumbles, when the Christian falls into sin, it's a scandal. Churches are destroyed. Lives are ruined. Families are broken all to pieces. And not just the family of the man of God or the woman of God or the person of faith that is, that is stumbled. It's families all around them. Just broken all to pieces. I don't know how many churches I've been in that a previous pastor had sinned or, uh, or a previous deacon had sinned and, and it took the church years and years to recover from it. Let me tell you something. Satan wants to get to you any way he can. And, Isaiah, and uh, Hezekiah was a good king and a godly man and he had served faithfully for many years and now at the end of his life, he gets a letter and a gift and a visit from the king of Babylon. Now, I'm going to be quick. Just about out of time here. But then I want you to notice this. Verse number five. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold. Pay attention, Hezekiah. Listen up. The days come that, is all, that all that is in thine house... And that which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. He said, Hezekiah, you've done a foolish thing. Now they know what you've got. Now they know exactly what it's going to take to overcome your army. And they know exactly how much wealth they can acquire from your treasures. If Babylon is going to destroy Assyria, they're going to need the treasures of Judah. And they're going to get it. And Isaiah, Isaiah tells him, he says, Hezekiah, look what you've done. Now, I believe he told him this for two reasons. Number one, I, I think he told him this 
I, I believe he responded to him this way. As a matter of fact, I believe he asked these questions for a reason. I, thought, I think Isaiah originally asked the questions thinking that even just asking the questions would prompt his mind to begin to think this probably wasn't a good idea. But, but it, it didn't work. He told him the truth. He was honest with him. But it, it, it didn't click. It still didn't click with Hezekiah. What he's done. It, it, has, it has not hit home yet. And so now he tells him plainly, they're coming after you, Hezekiah. They're coming out through the land of Judah. And then he says this, and this is the really sad part. Look at this verse, verse number seven. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Okay, we're just about done here, so hang with me. Just, can you stay with me just another minute or two while we wrap this up? So the house of David endures even to this day. The house of David endures. Jesus Christ was of the line and the lineage of David. That's what the Bible says. So the house of David is, that line of kings is going to continue all the way up until the birth of Jesus Christ. And then it's going to carry on. But notice what he said, Isaiah said to Hezekiah. Isaiah said, Hezekiah, you're going to die. And you're going to leave sons behind you. And the king of Babylon is going to come and get your sons. And he's going to make them eunuchs. In the palace in Babylon. If you're not smart enough to figure that out, let me explain it to you. Hezekiah, your line is finished. There will be no more line of Hezekiah. It's over. When your sons and sons' sons, how many sons you have over the course of the next number of years, Hezekiah, when all those sons have been carried off to Babylon, that's the end of your family tree. That's the end of the line for you, Hezekiah. It's over. You're done. Your family is finished. That's what he says. That's what he's saying to him. Now notice. Notice the response. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah. Listen to this. Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said moreover. For there shall be truth and peace in my days. You know what Hezekiah said to Isaiah? Let me paraphrase it. It's all right, Isaiah. I can, I can handle the word of the Lord because Babylon is not coming during my lifetime. God already promised me that my 15 years would be blessed so I don't have to worry. It's okay. How short-sighted could anyone be? Let me tell you something. Isaiah's prophecy is going to be fulfilled exactly as he said. Now, it's not going to happen during the 15 years of Hezekiah's life. And it's not going to happen the 15 years after that, nor the 15 years after that, nor the 15 years after that. It's going to be 100 years later before this prophecy is fulfilled. We talked about near prophecy and far prophecy. 
This, this one is a near prophecy, but it's farther away than many of them. As a matter of fact, some scholars have said, oh, Isaiah didn't write chapter 39. Did you know that? There's some scholars that, you know, liberal scholars who can't accept the word of God for what it is. And they say, oh, Isaiah didn't really write chapter number 39. That was wrote long after he died. And then they put it in there. You know why they say that? Because the prophecy is filled so, filled so perfectly. That's what they said about Daniel until they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And then when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they couldn't say it anymore. Let me tell you something. Of course Isaiah wrote chapter number 39. You read him enough, you know it. You know what he writes like. You know what he sounds like. I can almost hear the sound of his voice sometimes. I'm telling you, Isaiah chapter 39 fits perfectly with all the rest of the book. Yeah, it's going to be a hundred years from now, Hezekiah. But in a hundred years from now, your family is going to be gone from the face of the earth. He started out so good. But the last 15 years, wasted days, wasted nights, just wasting his time, just letting it slip right through his fingers. I don't know if he got older and, 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 and less uh, sensitive to what was going on around him. I don't know if after his illness something took place in his life. I don't know. I, I couldn't say to that. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. But one thing I can tell you is, is he started out really, really, really good and he ended horrifically. He lost his family and his family's influence in Judah. It's really important, young people. Really important to start well. But it is really, really important to finish well. So important. Do you know you have people who are behind you? Whatever age you are, there are people right behind you. And you know what they're doing? They're looking at your life. They're watching your steps. They're seeing where you go. They're listening to what you say. They're watching what you do with your hands and how you spend your time. They're watching you. Watching you. By the way, I want to say this. To all of you who helped put the, the gazebo up in the parsonage yard, I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I was watching you. I was. I was watching you. I was showing you, I was showing you to the people in the van with me. Look here, they're out there working. <laughs> I got a ring on my back door and I can see what they're doing back there. They're watching you. They're waiting to see what kind of life you're going to wind up with. Does anybody know who Jimmy Swaggart is? So, do we remember Jimmy Swaggart because he was a great preacher? Or do we remember Jimmy Swaggart because he was a terrible sinner? Did he enhance his ministry or did he destroy it? They're watching you. It's so important to finish well. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to preach the message this morning.
Lord, may we look at our children and our grandchildren. And yes, even our great-grandchildren. May we look at them and say, oh dear God of heaven, for their sake, for their cause, help me finish well. Help me not stumble in the last years of my life. Lord, help me walk closer, not further from you. Lord, help my heart to be more tender, not hardened as I grow older. Young families who are raising their children, oh dear God, help them so that they might continue in thee. That there won't be a spot on the road where they fell by the wayside, where they caused shame to their home and their family and to their children. Lord, may we continue well in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, Lord, for our young people, Lord, help them to realize they can finish so much better if they start well, if they start good, if they, if they make a good start in the kingdom of God. Oh, it's so much easier then to finish well. They don't have the baggage that they have to lug around when they have wasted so many of their early years in a life of sin and in the world. I've known some great preachers who had life of horrific sin. And then, Lord, they, they did great work, but their past caught up with them. And they stumbled along the way. Lord, help our young people to know that how we start makes a lot of difference and how we can continue and how we can finish. Dear Lord, we have a world that needs us more than ever before. This country needs Christians more than ever before. Lord, may we be what we ought to be. May we run this race well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. What shall we do? Father's love for us. How best beyond all measure that he his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which mark chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin upon his shoulders ashamed Stop.
Then 